be watchful just as you're just as you're learning from their mistakes you know this can happen to us too so be watchful but also i think we also do need to understand that our work will probably be become more difficult because the image of jesus you know that exists now will continue to exist for some time Hey everyone, this is Ralph Monroe and you're listening to Refined and Refreshed Podcast. Uh, we have an awesome show for you today. Uh, I am joined with uh, an awesome brother in Christ. His name is Jamal Fridge. And I heard a message that he spoke recently and it blew my mind. Uh, and we're going to get into that. But before we do, Jamal, he's an author and we're going to talk about that as well. And I just want you guys to hear a little bit more about who Jamal is, what he does, uh, and whatever else he wants to share with us before we get into the bulk of our conversation. So Jamal, welcome to Refined and Refresh podcast, man. Right, thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. Man, can you go just go ahead and t- give us a, a, a summary of who you are, uh, where you've grown up from, whatever like that, you know, your favorite sports team, whatever you want to share, man. <laughs> Sure, sure. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I, I thought about like, how do I want to introduce myself? And, you know, when I, when I thought about it, it's, I feel like, um, I feel like my life story is kind of like a, a walking, a living, breathing stereotype that turns into a sharp juxtaposition. <laughs> um, okay. So, so for, for most America, like, I don't, I don't know how much of your audience is uh, American versus uh, foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like even down to my name and, in, in, you know, life circumstances growing up, um, it's it kind of fits that mold of like what an African-American person is mm-hmm. in the in some of the worst ways. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so so like, yeah, my name is Jamal. That's a stereotypically black name. Uh, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, you know, a stereotypical yeah. black place. Right. Um, I grew up fatherless. Um, you know, he walked out when I was, when I was about four. And so that, that's part of that negative stereotype about black fathers not being there. Um, I was a lazy student in school (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, just growing up poor, you know, like that was, that's my background. Right. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like it turns into a juxtaposition because, you know, um, like I graduated from college at uh, Calvin University in Grand Rapids. Uh, that's a Christian college, um, very highly rated. I love that school. And, you know, like these last six years, I've been in China teaching English. Uh, I met my wife there. Uh, she's Chinese. She's with me now. Awesome. Um, also, in that time, I've become, you know, a speaker in the church, uh, both in China and uh, back home in Chicago. And now I write books, um, theology, children's books. um, And I want to turn this into, you know, like um, into Christian video game development. I'll detail that a little bit later. But yeah, that's that's my background. That's my story. Awesome. You've piqued my interest now. Uh, So tell me about how that came to be where you uh, began to like, like your, your, your experience in China and the church that is there, what was that experience like? Um, 
It was challenging. I'll, I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, mm. Because, you know, uh, this was a state, uh, this is a state sanctioned church, right? Um, so they've got certain limitations on what they can and cannot talk about. Yeah. And so like, as part of the English fellowship, um, we, we could usually talk about whatever we wanted so long as we didn't touch the third rail, namely the, the, you know, criticisms of the government. Mm-hmm. Um, by and large, we were free to talk about what we wanted. Um, and so while I was there, uh, most of the, like most of the congregation was um, split between Chinese people and foreigners. And most of the foreigners were Africans, oh. like you know, from Ghana, from Kenya, from Benin, um, you know, Nigeria, you know. And so part of the challenge that I had to deal with was, um, I guess, trying to decolonize, you know, the minds of the people. Mm. Um, the brand of Christianity that they've been fed is a very Western brand. And so, you know, one of the things that I was hoping to, you know, accomplish while I was there was learn like how Chinese people really see God. And it was kind of difficult to really, you know, peer through the veil because, well, one, language barriers, and two, um, just, you know, the westernized brand of Christianity that they, that they, you know, subscribe to. And not that Western Christianity is bad, but, you know, there's just certain things that a Chinese person would understand about God better than a Westerner would understand about God. Yeah. Um, And vice versa. Right. Mm hmm. Um, and so a lot of the content was, you know, trying to get people to think, you know, as if they were biblical people, as if they were biblical characters, because, you know, sometimes when we read the Bible, it's like, we treat these people as though they're walking, you know, a few inches off the ground. And, (laughs) and it's, and and so it's like, it doesn't connect as well with us unless we see them as, you know, Hey, this could have easily been one of us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I want people to really come away with is that like hey you could be the next biblical character this you know this could just as easily happen to you because god calls he wants to call and he uses them however he wants to use them that's awesomeness man i really respect that that's awesome um and i agree because it is so easy to like you said to read the bible and the the uh the characters the the people in the bible these historical figures have now uh for the most part you can read it and it's like they're like superheroes. <laughs> right. <laughs> when it was quite the opposite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I totally um, understand. Yeah. So I'm thinking about like Mary, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, girls like in those times used to fantasize about being, you know, being the mother of the Messiah. Then she becomes the mother of the Messiah and her life does not go easily. You know, <laughs> she has to flee as a refugee into another country. She has to, you know, she has to endure the insults of someone who's accused of adultery. Mm-hmm. She almost could have, like, she could have been killed if if jo- if Joseph hadn't been, you know, a good man. Yeah, I mean, so th- this this fantasy that she was now living, you know, was far from, you know, the idealized, you know, oh, I'm going to be, you know, like, you know, I'm going to be sitting on top of the world. You know, no. <laughs> oh she watched her son die a, br- a brutal death you know man that's yeah that's good 
I mean, speaking, but speaking on, on the, along those lines, um, yeah. you just said, you know, you like to, you, your hope and what you like to do is get people to think. And uh, from the message that I came across from you speaking, it got me to think because you shared uh, a story of Jesus uh, and his encounter, his interaction with Satan um, right. during his uh, time in the wilderness. And the way you have put it, because, you know, uh, just for a reference, so people can understand, uh, you know, we just came out of this contentious election cycle. Um, and for uh, there, you know, depend on where you're at, you know, you have uh, certain preferences, certain uh, hopes and aspirations for whatever political party you, um, you know, choose to support and also the people you choose to support. And for Christians, you know, uh, there's some that are conservative, some that are liberal. Um, and so the election time is very contentious in that regard. But the message you shared where you so eloquently related Jesus's encounter and his uh, in his engagement with Satan and how we as Christians can fall privy to looking towards a political party or a man or a person or a woman, whoever it may be, to bring right. about what we think is the kingdom here on earth when actually that could be a trap. I would right. like if you could like just uh, share a little bit of that, like share that insight because it was an awesome insight and I never even thought about it. All right. So, um, you know, just just the... the um you know, the quick summary of it, 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 it was, um, I was thinking about how Jesus went through the wilderness saying, you know, the devil came and tempted him mm -hmm. um, and said like, hey, you know, if you're the son of God, turn the stones into bread. Hey, you know, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from this, you know, from this high point and God will catch you. But it was that third temptation um, that really, you know, that really hit home for me where he says, Jesus, I'll give you all this, you know, all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor uh, if you bow down and worship me. And it just made me wonder, like, you know, well, first off, you know, remember that these are temptations, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't like it's not a real temptation unless it's, you know, unless it's really enticing, right? Yeah. And so there has to be some enticement there. And so Jesus, like, so the devil knows Jesus in game. And so he tries to circumvent the end game. And so he says like, Hey, I know you're coming to build the kingdom of God. Hey, I'll give it to you right now. You don't have to go through any trouble. You don't have to like, all you got to do is just bow. And I'll make it real easy for you to bow down. It's yours. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. You don't have to, to travel. You don't have to sleep outside. You know, you don't have to, you know, fish for, you know, for fish that have money in their mouths or, you know, <laughs> you, know you know, it'll just all be there for you. You'll live sumptuously. Yeah. And so I thought about that. And then I thought about, you know, the history of the, of the evangelical church here in America. And so for those who aren't uh, as well-versed in American politics, um, the evangelical, the, I'll, I'll put it like this, the white evangelical church has mostly been aligned with the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. um, 
And usually for reasons that uh, entail like things like their stance on abortion, uh, their stance on gay marriage, um, you know, think like family issues, basically. Yeah. And so their stance on abortion is so strong that, you know, they'll stomach just about anybody as long as that president will, you know, um, support something like nominating judges who will overturn, you know, Roe versus Wade, the abortion, the abortion ruling in the Supreme Court. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, that level of um, that level of dedication to that one issue, I think, became a weak point uh, that the devil exploited. Mm. And so the same way that he came to Jesus and said, hey, I'll give this to you. You know, if you bow down and worship me, I believe that kind of the same kind of thing happened uh, with the white evangelical church's support of Donald Trump, who is widely acknowledged even among, you know, even among conservative circles as having, you know, a personality that is antithetical to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've heard them compare him with King Cyrus, Um the Persian king who, you know, was personally wicked, but was favorable towards the Jews. Yeah. And and so, like, I, I saw them, you know, like, um, going through, like, I don't want to call it mental gymnastics, but for lack of a better word, um, rationalizations of, of their support for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found it very, well, one, very disappointing, uh, two, tunnel-visioned, and three, undermining to their mission Mm. because you know the what it what it looks like to be a trump supporter it looks like like and and this isn't true for every single trump supporter but it's like what they come across as is crass bigots Mm -hmm. and or who, who or those who don't care about facts or don't care about others you know and so that's the image that people have of, of Trump supporters and evangelical churches support of him um, has left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, such to the point that even I'm saying like, hey, I can't, you know, like if, if this is what you all are, I can't be associated with you all mm-hmm. because it's it, like when I go out and I, you know, have to talk to people about God, they're going to look at me. And think of you. <laughs> yeah, I totally, I, I totally understand. I think, um, but, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, but there was a little bit more to that though, because you know, um, at the risk of sounding like I'm, you know, um, disowning these people, uh, I'm also saying that I understand where that comes from because you know, like the audience wouldn't know this, but you know, during the 2008 election, uh, McCain versus Obama. I liked a lot of Obama's platform, but I could not support him because I too was staunchly anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. And so like I wound up supporting a third party candidate because, you know, I couldn't bring myself to vote for someone who's for abortion, like even partial birth abortion or, you know, like that, that, that was just, it was, I was a single issue voter and that was a real stumbling block for me. And, you know, even even today, I'm still um, pretty pro-life, but it's, it's I think it's a bit bigger than just, you know, pro-birth. But it's like um, I looked back on that and 
you know, I, I, I'm not sure if you know that term Faustian bargain. No, I haven't heard of it. Yeah. So the Faustian bargain is where you trade in something of supreme importance, like your credibility or your morality or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or for a worldly for a worldly gain or like a material possession. Gotcha. Um, and so that's what the devil offered Jesus, and that's what I believe was also offered to the evangelical church because now they've got their they've got their you know Supreme Court majority, and they're probably going to start taking wax at you know um, at Roe v. Wade. Yeah. But now no one wants to listen to what they have to say about Jesus. Mm. And I imagine if you told them that, you know, 20 years ago, they'd say like, you know, we never allow this to happen to us. But the devil looks for our weaknesses and he exploits them to the best of his ability. Um, Yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking about. It's like, I understand where they're coming from, but, Mm -hmm. you know, at what, like, there's got to be a limit to like what you're willing to do for power. So true. So saw that limit, you know. He said, no, I'm not bowing down to anyone but God. So keep your kingdom, keep your, you know, ease or a life of sumptuousness and, and reigning over everything. I'll, I'm, I'll take the long way if I have to, but I'm going to take the right way. That's good. I really like that. And also in the message, um, you even kind of gave like a forewarning uh, to those who uh, are on the other side. Right. Kind of the same thing. Right. Because, you know, think about it like what what would uh, what would it do to our credibility? Like, okay, so like both of us, you know, we're African-Americans, right? Mm -hmm. Where's that limit to, you know, to our quest for justice and equality? What what are we willing to sacrifice for that? You know, are we willing to sacrifice our credibility or our our morality or our uniqueness, you know, as a culture and as a people, you know, what are those things that, that we like, what are those weaknesses that the devil can exploit in us? Because that can just as easily be us, um, you know, tomorrow. Yeah. What are we willing to tolerate in the name of, you know, the advancement of our agenda? And then that was the other thing that I, that I mentioned in the message is like, you know, for black Christians, you know, this may be, you know, a big moment for us, you know, to reestablish what it means to be a Christian, to speak on it from a different perspective. Because, you know, like when we read the Bible, those people, like the, the Jewish people were seldom on top. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were historically a people that was oppressed. Yeah. So what does it look like now that, you know, like, as an oppressed people, we have a um, we have a vantage point of God that uh, those who have not been oppressed, you know, they don't have. And so that is an opportunity for us to present God in a more um, like that, that uh, that enables us to present God from a different from a different angle. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, that's nothing to gloat over, you know, the 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 possible influence gain. You know, that's nothing to gloat over because, you know. These are still our brothers and sisters. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. And, you know, I had a chance to talk with some of them, you know, after after that message. And I firmly believe, you know, they are our brothers and sisters. They are our family in Christ. Yeah. Uh, and I love them. 
And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I guess I'm saying all that to say, um, be watchful just as you're, just as you're learning from their mistakes, you know, this can happen to us too. So be watchful, but also, I think we also do need to understand that our work will probably be become more difficult because the image of Jesus, you know, that exists now will continue to exist for some time. You know, we've got work to do. And, and that's so true because, um, the, especially like I think about younger generations uh, and then I think about like how the church has operated throughout history. Um, I, f- I feel like there's the, because, because the church has such an important role in the kingdom of God here on earth and like, you know, spreading the gospel, et cetera. Then the, the enemy, you know, it, you know, he at any at any point at any time will try to bring stumbling blocks, you know, to the church, infiltrating that church even. And right. so and and so your your point of like being watchful uh, is it, so it's so key because if we if we aren't watchful, if we aren't learning from history, we will repeat it. And what I've seen in history with the church is that so many times we we. No, we're not perfect, but we dropped the ball many times when it comes to people who has when it comes to people who have been on the margins of society, when it comes to people who have who are, who are face, facing uh, mental uh, uh, um, depression or whatever it may be. Uh, it, I feel like we have always dropped the ball and, yeah. and, and we've and with that created more work uh, uh, to, you know, say god does love you jesus does love you (laughs) so it's like we have we have to it's like this breaking down of the perspective that has been built up over generations and generations and generations and then we come to something like this year where once again it is like another smudge (laughs) yeah Yeah. but with god you know we can do the work um and with any difficulty like this there is opportunity um, right. And we just have to be willing to, you know, be the hands and feet for it. Right. And so, you know, um, so I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because um, one of the things that I did mention in that message was that our love now is going to have to look much bigger. It, it's going to, have to be much bigger than it has been. Um, because, you know, like, what, like, as Jesus said, like, or um, as God said, you know, like, I've, I've, you know, by loving kindness, I've drawn you, yeah. right? It wasn't by fire and brimstone, I've drawn you, right? <laughs> so I'm thinking that, you know, the way that the world loves people needs to be exceeded by the way that we love people. Mm. Um, and so that's just going to require more from us. Um, to go out of our way for those who are marginalized. And I'm not saying that that's easy, but I'm just saying it needs to happen in order to, for us, you know, to rebuild that credibility of the loving people who are connected with God. You know, it means something when, um, like, you can say God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, but if you don't actually show it, if you aren't the hands and feet, then, you know, it's just empty words. And so that reminded me of a conversation I had with a white Christian brother last week. Mm-hmm. And he told me like, you know, um, 
how how uh, white people interpret, you know, uh, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And I found it interesting what he said. He said that uh, based on the website of the organization, that that's what the opposition to Black Lives Matter from the white side is coming from. Because, you know, in on the website, they had mentioned, you know, like, um, you know, like Marxist ideology and, you know, like transforming the family unit and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, what I, I told him, like, most black people don't aren't really thinking about that. We're just thinking about police brutality. Yeah. Um, but there was this general sense that um, that uh, from white uh, from white Christians in particular, uh, they don't like, you know, or, or they think that the the voices in our community uh, are bad influences in one way or another. And so, like, you know. I've volunteered this, you know, like um, Louis Farrakhan, you know, he's not too far, like his, his, um, his restaurant, uh, the nation of Islam, their, their, uh, what is it? Their newspaper, the final call. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's a few blocks from my house and father Flager. He's also a few blocks from my house. The, <laughs> the, the white Catholic, um, the white Catholic minister. Yeah he's just a few blocks from my house too. And my thought is this, and and this is what I told him was that, you know, I mean, you may not like the voices in our community and the influences in our community, but they're the ones who showed up. Yeah. They're the ones who proved that they cared. And when white evangelicals approach, you know, black communities, it's often with this kind of reticence, like they're, like they're afraid and so it's like, how is their fear in love? And so, like, hey, if you all don't like the influences in our communities, well, you got to show up. <laughs> that's true. That's so true. And that's the thing is uh, nothing happens unless there's an issue. There's always a, there's always a, a reaction to an yeah. issue that is prevalent in a community. And... Um, the the these voices as you mentioned that they prob that they don't you know really uh like it came from a, a birth from a place of systematic you know oppression right it is it, birth from something you know it just doesn't happen uh by happenstance i, I right. mean maybe there maybe there's instances where things like that in history do happen but for the most part, there's always a reaction or response to an issue that is prevalent. And I think uh, going back to what we were talking about uh, as before, um, I think we get caught up, especially here in Western Christianity, when things are comfortable for us, then we don't, <laughs> we don't like to go out of our way in the uh in the uncomfortable areas where issues are and so you know uh as long as we're comfortable we won't go into those areas where things are comfortable we're going to keep a deaf ear to that which gives rise to other influential people that they may not agree with um right but i understand why they are there like you said (laughs) they show that they showed the community that we care we're here for you right and, you know, like if 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 the white evangelicals think that they are a better influence for us, they've got to prove that they care about us by coming. 
And that's not just, you know, a weekend thing, you know, like a, like a <laughs> you know, uh, that's, that's an ongoing relationship that's built up, honestly, over years. Yeah, man. So you know, the book, so the, the, the back to school drives, they got to be there, you know, the, <laughs> you know, the, the, the protests against gun violence, they got to be there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're so yeah. right, man. You're so right. If if you want that influence, that's the price. That's the price of the um, that's the price of the love. That's the price of the fellowship. Yeah, you gotta be there. <laughs> oh man, you know I feel there's so much more in my head, and I like I feel like we can go on and on and on about this. Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know I'm like I have to uh, I'll have you on again just to talk about more stuff like this, but um. I do want to um, quickly talk about, you know, you as an author and, you know, what you focus on, your writings, uh, and allow you to share about that so uh, people can even, um, just so people can be aware of it and, you know, in the future, uh, if they are willing to, you know, take a look at them and read things that you've written, you know, that's coming out. So, uh, yeah, just uh, what, what can you tell us about, you know, the things that you have been writing uh, or pinned, if you would like to share. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, I've self-published uh, two books. One of them is a theological commentary, and the other is a children's book. Mm-hmm. Um, the first book, the theological commentary, I, I call it the novel gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wrote it with the intention of feeding the Chinese audience with it, because, you know, um, they may not have Bibles or they may not uh, have a lot of, you know, Christian resources around them. And so if they don't have a Bible and they have to, you, and if they needed, you know, a one-stop shop to understand God or the message of the Bible, yeah. um, then that's what that book is for. Um, I just try to explain like the history of um, like the, the world that Jesus lived in uh, mm-hmm. and then also explain, you know, some of the ways that I've interpreted and misinterpreted, uh, you know, the Bible, um, you know, just some of my own, you know, uh, my own commentary and experiences, um, just so they have a better footing to go off of. I mean, but, you know, that's going to need to be revised because, you know, <laughs> Rome, I've learned yeah. more. And so, like, when you told me um, before, before we started recording about, you know, you studying, you know, divinity, um, that's something that is on my to-do list, you know, because it's, it's, it, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. That's so true, man. I mean, there's so much I would love to like, just let people know. Uh, but I know that there's even more people that are smarter than I, who've studied, put their life's work into studying certain topics in regards to history and the church and Christianity. But in my studies, when, you know, learning about, church formation, Christian, and the birth of the Christian, the birth of Christianity, my mind is always like, I'm like, there's so much information, but I want to consume it all. But there's too much information for me, so I can't consume it all, but I'm not going to stop trying. (laughs) Right, right, right. So like, yeah, the the more you know, the more you do, the more you do grow. And um, I definitely with you in regards to, uh, because I have my own uh, poetry uh, book and, uh, you know, by God's grace, next year, I will work on the uh, second volume of it. But it's it shows a process of life that, you know, I'm I've gone through and 
and am coming into the understanding of. Um, so, man, kudos to, you know, you writing a theological book. I don't know if I'll get there, but. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, that, that's, that was just a labor of love, you know, you know, on, on uh, um, you know, really more so for the benefit of Chinese. Um, but, you know, it's available in English, too. Um, but the other thing I just wanted to say, like, you know, to the audience listening, mm-hmm. uh, understanding the Bible is so much more than uh, than reading all the words on the page and understanding the definitions of the words, you know, uh, we're about 2000 years separated from the time that it was written about 17,000 miles separated from the place it was written. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, you know, we've got cultural, we've got cultural lenses that we, um, that we don't even know exist. Yeah. Um, you know, and, the language, even the language has intricacies that um, that don't allow for perfect translations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I say, you know, like we really don't know what we don't know, um, I'm not saying that to say um, that that our study is worthless, but rather that um, we got to put in that effort, you know, to really get like um, not just what God is trying to tell us, but like the fullness of what God is trying to tell us. Mm, that's good. Yeah. So we need to keep studying more and keep <laughs> growing, you know, Amen to that man. Uh, yeah. So what about your other uh, children's book, man? You tell me that I saw some of it um, on Facebook and I was like, oh, I didn't know he, you know, uh, wrote like uh, embarked in those things. And you just actually have a audio uh, version of it too. So yeah. Tell us about that. Oh, okay. So, um, so the the children's book that I'm that I'm writing is a series called The Life and Times of Theodore Addison. Um, he's a ten year old genius. Uh, he loves to invent things, and um, he often gets himself into trouble with them. Um, and you know, he's got a crew around him. You know, either friends or enemies and frenemies and things like that. And so I, I'm kind of going through his story, like. Um, like, you know, just watching him grow up uh, and using this series, uh, you know, to teach kids, you know, um, not not just like uh, I want them to learn um, about how God sees them and what what God would want them to do with their lives um, and do it through, you know, an engaging story, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or sometimes it'll get a little fanciful. Other times it'll be like, you know, very um very down to earth. So like in one book, um, you know, he's saving the city in another book, he's dealing with bullying, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to connect with as many of these issues as possible. Um, you know, just to say like, Hey, God has something to say about this and here's how you can deal with, you know, what's going on in your life. But originally this series, uh, this book series was imagined as a video game. Um, and so like back in, I think I want to say like, uh, seventh grade or something like that. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Seventh grade. Um, I realized that I wanted to make video games, you know, as a career. Originally, I thought I would be doing that with the Nintendo, but, uh, not quite. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a programmer and I'm not an artist, but I am a writer. And so 
I thought, okay, well, if I can write the storylines of the games or, you know, uh, write the narrative, well, then that can accomplish my purposes. Um, then a few years after that, that's when I was born again. <laughs> then it's like, oh, so I'm, I'm, I'm making video games for a purpose, right? Mm, yeah. For the glory of God, for the expansion of his kingdom. Um, and so it's like my life, you know, like my, it's like my life fell together, like pieces of a puzzle, you know? Yeah. Um, they just kind of came into place. And so, um, I embarked on that and in the lead up to, you know, starting to make games, um, I'm writing the books to, you know, to build the brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I studied business when I was in college, um, because I wanted to learn marketing and you know how to run a company and how to do it well yeah um in the video game industry um the quality of life is like among developers is dreadful (laughs) um you've got 60 to 80 hour weeks for sometimes weeks or months on end um Sometimes people get let go right before the game finishes just so that the publisher can, you know, keep more of the money instead of, you know, sharing the profits. Mm -hmm. Um, Family time, you know, basically goes out the window. Relationships go out the window. Uh, Yeah. Longevity in the industry um, isn't really a thing. You know, Mm. you might stay there anywhere between two to eight years tops. And then you move on to someplace that has, you know, better job security or better benefits or, um, you know, just, you know, jobs that or, or industries that let people lead a meaningful life. Yeah. And so that's why I called my video game studio Renewal Corporation, because mm-hmm. I want new not only society, but also, you know, our industry and our, you know, like whatever we're doing, we want to bring in God's perspective so that everybody can flourish. It doesn't just have to be, you know, the investors flourishing. I, I, I really love um, how God, you know, he has people in every sector of society. So it's even like, yeah, so it's, it's cool because he, he's, the Lord is like, you know, I'm going to reach people everywhere, no matter where they are, you know, I, I will have yeah. someone there. I will have an influencer there. Uh, doing something so that's really awesomeness um but you, if people wanted to like read some of your writings uh is there a pl- or hear you know for that matter some of your things uh where can they go to actually do that um well i'm still kind of in the process of figuring some things out with all my websites but um for the children's book uh the pdf version of that is available for free on addisonbooks.com uh, Addison, A-D-D-I-S-O-N, books. Um, and so, yeah, that's where they can find the, that, that's where they can find the, the uh, children's book. Um, the novel gospel is available on Amazon. Um, and let's see, what else? Um, I'll just have to leave it at that for now. Um, still figuring out the websites in, in that situation. I understand that, man. <laughs> awesome, man. Uh, well, Jamal, I won't keep you uh, much longer. Uh, thank you so much for coming in. And it's a fruitful conversation. I definitely have to have you on just to talk about more 
theological things. And I, I know that I feel like we can go uh, deep into conversation, you know. <laughs> um, also, um, you know, if if uh, if the if the listeners have questions or comments or concerns, um, by all means, please forward them to me. And then, you know, I'll try to address them uh, at my availability. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, and and uh, I, I'll second that. If there's any questions uh, and you want to get in touch with Jamal, I, I'll leave out. Jamal, you can just give me your information. But also, uh, um, if anyone wants to leave anything, you can go to, you know, as always, refine, refresh at outlook.com. Send them there. And I can also forward those to Jamal. Yeah. And then, you know, he'll just get back in touch with, touch with you because we definitely want to, you know, make sure there's room for any clarity <laughs> uh, or anything we just talked about or discussed. Um, so, Jamal, uh, one, one of the things I do um, present to the guests, if they were if they would like to do so, is uh, would you mind praying for us? Uh, whatever the Lord puts on your heart, um, just pray, pray for us to close out the show. Um, and yeah, we'll go from there, man. OK, absolutely. Lord, thank you for this day that you gave us. Thank you for the breath of life, the gift of life. Thank you for the people around us that you put uh, in our lives, uh, the opportunities you put in our, you know, that you put in our path. Thank you that you guide our steps. Thank you that you love us um, and that you invite us to do your work and share in your work. Thank you that um, you don't just hog it all to yourself, and uh, but you you equip us, you know, to do your work. Um, we pray, God, that we can be faithful stewards of your resources, uh, faithful ministers of your work, uh, and faithful co-builders of your kingdom. Um, we pray that you keep us from from temptations and the wiles of the devil. We ask you to enlighten us of like the flaws in our ways the you know show us our blind spots god so that we don't uh so that we don't fall prey to the devil we pray god that our love for one another will continue to grow um our connection our understanding with each other will continue to grow um and that we can do your work and make you proud uh, thank you for our brother Ralph and his family. Uh, thank you for the work that he's doing. Thank you for all the people all around the world who have found, who have benefited from his work. And even if this is just, you know, an outlet for him to, you know, uh, to unwind, um, let it let it accomplish its purpose, Lord, and, and let it give Ralph rest as well um, from the daily stresses of life. Um, we thank you that you give us these things um, to take the edge off of this uh, of this dark and evil world that we live in and the stressful life that we have to deal with. We ask you, Lord, that you continue to pour into us and invest in us. Help us to invest in our spiritual and intellectual and social uh, development um, so that we can be the best people that you made us to be. Um, we thank you and we love you. Keep us keep us all safe and provided for um in jesus name we pray amen